0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Boo My Dad Says. My name is John.
1: And I'm Becca.
0: And we are your tour guides through the world of the paranormal.
1: We've got a whole lot of history, a whole lot of mystery, and a whole lot of weird.
0: So sit back, relax, and prepare for a spine-tingling time. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Boom, My Dad Says. How are we doing, my dear?
1: Hey, hey, hey. It is another week down. We are doing pretty good today.
0: Oh, my goodness. We are going to be having a wild next two or three weeks. Let me tell you, folks, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it it was pretty wild. So we shared with y'all last week a few of the things going on, um, That we have been dealing with, exciting things happening, very exciting things happening. But our plans kind of got shifted and got turned on their head this week. More
0: like escalated.
1: They escalated quite a bit to the point of we had planned to possibly build a home. And we got a little squirrely, a little nervous just about the cost of building materials. Because some of these houses we're looking at have gone up like $26,000 in the last month. Um, and they haven't even started breaking ground on our actual house yet. So like by the time that they would start the house we wanted, we were pretty nervous. And so last week I had contacted someone about an already built home. They said, Oh, we're under contract, we're set to close the 15th. I said, Well, if anything changes, you know, keep us in mind. And this was a for sale by owner. Well, the lady uh, texted me on they kept Wednesday. Us in mind. <laughs> she did. The lady texted me on Wednesday, and she said, well, our buyer's financing fell through. Would you be interested, you know, in having a conversation and coming to take a look? I was like, sure. That's all she wrote. And so we went and looked. We loved it. We loved the space. We loved the neighborhood. We loved everything about it. So we're closing June 2nd. So we're like in high gear, packing mode. Um, we'll try to refrain from rolling out the packing tape while we're doing the podcast. Though. <laughs> but it's been going nonstop since um, like Friday.
0: Yeah, it was kind of funny yesterday. We were down here packing up a few things and um, Becca had a phone call and I was just sitting there and going.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can hear that tape. <laughs> that tape rolling out there. And I I told the girl I was talking with, I was like, I'm so sorry. I said, my husband, he is he's is on the he's on the move. He's getting ready. We're trying to get packed. So anyway, Crazy Town, that's us.
0: So that being said, fair warning, if there happens to be a missed week in the podcast episode realm, uh, don't be alarmed. We're not going anywhere. Um, I'm kind of already thinking about some of the things I may do. I've, I've I actually thought about going through and maybe remastering a couple of the early episodes because I'll be honest with you the sound back then versus the sound of the show now is night and day difference so I'm thinking about maybe that week I may go back and remaster our premiere episode and play and play it for y'all uh using all the different New techniques that I have learned over the last few months to see if we can clean that up and make the episode look better for you. That's one plan. Or B, if time through packing allows, I will try to uh, record an extra episode. So one way or another, you may get an episode, uh, but it may be a rerun. But um, but hey. Guess what? We're on Facebook, guys, or on social media. If you want to check out our social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Just look for Boo My Dad Says. Uh, Drop in, say hello. We have a Facebook group that's the Boo My Dad Says group, as well as a page. But you can join the group and meet a whole bunch of nice people out there that have really been supportive of the show over the last... A few months and they would certainly give you a nice warm welcome and a uh, howdy
1: <laughs> and a howdy and if you'd like to just drop us an email you can email us at john at boo my dad says dot com
0: all right so dear i do have one wild and crazy question i want to ask
1: oh lousy here we go
0: what coffee are you drinking
1: oh let me tell you I feel like I don't know some of you, um, you ladies out there, and maybe guys. I don't know, but I have been watching uh, Bailey Sarian. She is this fabulous makeup artist, but she does murder mystery makeup Monday, where she tells a crew a crew (laughs) crime. She tells a crew
0: (laughs) (laughs) a true crime. True crime.
1: It's been a busy day, y'all. A true crime story. Anyway. She always says, now let me tell you. So, this coffee, my hairdresser turned me on to this coffee. Okay, a couple, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, I guess, I was sitting in her chair. She is doing her magic. Um, Heather is amazing. I, know, I don't think she listens to this, but she is the bomb. She's, she's been doing my hair She for, might if you'd ask. She, she might. I may have to tell her about it. Um, but she's been doing my hair for like eight or nine years, like for a while. And I'm sitting there, and we're chatting and all that, and she was like, I have to tell you about this coffee. I was like, girl, tell me about the coffee, because I am I love my coffee. John says I'm addicted.
0: Sometimes I think she loves her coffee more than she loves me.
1: No, just differently. Um, <laughs> not more, just different.
0: Oh, I um, know she loves the coffee more than she loves me at 5.30 in the morning.
1: At 5.30 a.m., perhaps. Um, but anyway, so this coffee is incredible, y'all. It's called the Bones Coffee Company. And you can go online and pick a sample pack, which you get to pick your flavors. And let me just tell you the five flavors real quick, and then we'll get into the story. When I purchased my sample pack, and I've already drank all the coffee. All five of my packs are gone. But you got, you get to pick, shut your face. I got five four-ounce bags of coffee. It is ground. I don't think I remember seeing if they had whole beans. Um, For all you purists out there, number one.
0: Nathan Moore.
1: Get over yourself. Number two. um, Anyway, it's just fun. I love just straight-up coffee, and I love flavored coffees. I'm not a fan of flavored creamers, but I'll take a good flavored coffee. So the five flavors that I picked for my sample box were carrot cake, because that has been my birthday cake of choice since I was like seven years old. I love carrot cake. But this carrot cake coffee, y'all, oh, my lanta. It, you could taste like the cream cheesiness of it, the nuttiness of it, the spiciness of it. Oh, it was so good. That was my favorite. The carrot cake one's my favorite. Um, I got one called cin bun which is S-I-N-N, Sinobun. bun Of course, a very cinnamony, sweet, flavor it was really good. I got one called banana's foster which was amazing. Um very rummy, very banana-y. I mean it was it was pretty tasty. And I got gosh, what was the other one I got? 2 hours later. It was delicious. But um, before
0: you go out and buy any wait a week because I am trying to since she loves coffee oh, so much, I'm trying to work coffee. out a deal where if you all go to their site and put in a code or whatever that you can get a discount so wait yeah. a week before you anyway, go buy. Anyway, just a
1: little teaser there about Bones um coffee company. If you've not heard of them or seen them, uh check them out. Like just do a little research. They've got fun flavors. They've got um they've got dark roast, they've got lighter roast. I'm a light roast girl. Give me all the caffeine, none of the burnt.
0: <laughs> What's funny is the artwork on all the bags too is really cool. They all have like these uh skeletons doing different things, which I find would be a is a perfect match considering our uh show genre so
1: <laughs> definitely yeah their artwork and their their packaging is pretty it is pretty nifty it's clever
0: um, I, I gotta admit it's very clever and catchy kind of anyway, puts you in the in the uh opinion of like a grateful dead album
1: yeah it does kinda so they've got flavors like highland grog coconut rum high voltage There's one called S'morey Time, which I guess is like a graham cracker marshmallow chocolate. Coffee's fabulous.
0: (laughs) We're like nine and a half minutes into the show. Listen, you start talking
1: about coffee and it's all over, folks. I'm sorry. The dead can wait.
0: Next week, we'll be introducing uh, coffee my mom drank.
1: Man, I could do a whole dang (laughs) podcast on that. Let me tell you, that's maybe what I should be doing is a coffee podcast. Hello.
0: You know, I haven't heard of any coffee podcasts out there, so you That's could be because blazing a new you're not trail.
1: a coffee drinker. Of course you've not heard of it.
0: All right, so this week we are moving out west, and we're actually going further west than we've ever gone here in the United States.
1: Now, hold on. Is that true? How much further is the place we're going than Texas?
0: Well, it's still it's still farther than Texas. I mean, Colorado. Okay, yeah, we were in
1: Austin last time. Yeah, but part Oh, San Antonio. Oh, I thought we were in Austin.
0: No, San Antonio. Oh, I
1: know why I'm thinking of Austin because I watch Lone Star 911 and oh, it's based no, in no, Austin.
0: Stop, stop 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 stop.
1: i was just going to just throw that out there. That's a great show.
0: Cuz we're going to be talking about everything but ghosts.
1: Well, that's okay too. Maybe we could have an un episode.
0: We'll save the un episode for the the week uh, that we won't be we may not be having an episode.
1: That might actually be kind of fun.
0: I will throw that out there and see what kind of approval we get from our uh, Dad fans.
1: Constituents. Yeah. All right. So we're going out to Colorado to the Cripple Cripple Creek area.
0: I was just, I was just uh, trying to get there so we could be sound like we're saying it together.
1: Oh, I thought you were trying to take over.
0: Oh no, no, no. My bad. Oh no. This is, this
1: is okay. So Cripple Creek The Cripple Creek Gold Camp ranks with London, Paris, and other money centers of the world. For while the great money centers may handle and control more of the world's assets, Cripple Creek actually adds more new money to the treasury of the world than any other place. Nearly $2 million are added every month to the world's wealth by the product from the hills within the district of Cripple Creek. And that was a quote coming from the Cripple Creek Times from 1904. So, in 1904, this region was booming, absolutely booming. The, the first discovery of gold in the Pikes Peak region was made in 1874 when a man named T.H. Lowe picked up some rich ore in a meadow near the present site of Cripple Creek.
0: You mean it was just laying on the ground?
1: Apparently. Wow. Excited, he quickly organized a prospecting party to search the nearby gulches. Though they found little gold, there was not enough to warrant mining, and they soon departed. So whatever he found, whatever he found in that one little instance was just a fluke, apparently. And it was another ten years before any gold was ever heard of heard from again in that area. In the spring of 1884, word spread that a man named Chicken Bill was taking nuggets. That's what cracked me up. He was was taking nuggets. Chicken Bill was taking nuggets. Out of the ground, I believe these are gold nuggets. Um, <laughs> when I was I'm doing sorry. the when I was doing the research, I had to read that a couple of times because I'm like, "What is happening here? This seems highly." Mm.
0: Just so you know, a little bit about our procedure is she re- she looks up the history of the place, and she doesn't really tell me what she finds, and then I do the the ghostly side. So that is the first I had heard about this. Oh, that, Chicken bill. That just that just made my day right there. Best.
1: Best right history ever.
0: Him, best history ever for the Boo My Dad Says podcast. All right.
1: So, old Chicken Bill was getting nuggets out of the ground by the handful. 3,000 men quickly swarmed the area to find absolutely nothing. Soon it was discovered that the nuggets produced by Chicken Bill were were from a salted mine and disappointed miners quickly left in search of more profitable opportunities. And I had to look up what a salted mine was because, of course, I don't know anything about gold mining. Um, but a salted mine just essentially means that he planted it, he salted it, he made it look more valuable and more desirable and more tasty than it really was. Um, and so they, he had salted it, and so all these people left again, and they were pretty upset. Well, in December of 1890, a man named Bob Womack really did discover gold, but miners were so slow to rem- respond because they remembered the two hoaxes, the the six or seven years before. By the summer of 1891, Womack struck a very rich vein and hurried to Colorado Springs to celebrate. In a drunken stupor, the foolish man sold his mine for $500 cash. Word then spread and men began to stake claims all over a six square mile of area surrounding what would soon become the Cripple Creek Gold Camp. Tents and cabins were springing up everywhere as this mining district was organized in the fall. The creek had actually, it it was called Cripple Creek because it was so rocky and so many of the cattle were lamed while crossing this rocky stream. The camp took its name from the creek. The land where all these claims were being staked was owned by a Denver real estate man, Horace, or these men, Horace Bennett and Julius Myers and they soon platted 80 acres for a town site, selling lots to the many miners and their families flooding the area. By the time the town was officially incorporated in 1892, there were well over 5,000 gold camp residents. So all of this gold was found in this area in, um, in the years 1892 and 1893. In 93, two big mines in the district were discovered and developed, And with the nation's change to the gold standard in that same year, thousands of silver miners were thrown out of work, and they started flocking to Cripple Creek. The deeper mines were developed, the richer the veins became. Some of these deep developed mines were three to six miles away, and soon the camp of Victor sprang up with many miners moving closer to work. Like most booming gold camps, Cripple Creek wasted no time establishing dozens of businesses, including a number of saloons and brothels. At first, these houses of ill repute were located near bow,
0: cheeky, bow, bow. Yeah
1: bow, bow, were located near the many saloons along Bennett Avenue, the main street of the settlement. However, to keep the peace between the business establishment and the quote ladies, Marshall Wilson removed the girls and their establishments one block south to Myers Avenue, which soon became known as the Red Light District. There'll be a hot time in the old town tonight was a phrase that was coined on this street filled with parlor houses, cribs, dance halls, and false front saloons.
0: Seriously, I never, I didn't know that. I yep. mean, that I, I've heard, I have Creek. heard the saying, but...
1: Businesses on this row never closed. They operated 24 hours a day providing entertainment to the many free-spending miners. So as they... Go as time moves forward here. By 1894, railroads were coming into the city. The Cripple Creek Railroad finished first arriving with its steam engine into the camp on July 2nd, 1894, to a great celebration of the Cripple Creek citizens. And by 1896, the city boasted a population of 10,000 residents. And on January 21st, 1896, the Cripple Creek Stock Exchange was open. The National Hotel, the largest and tallest structure, was completed, complete with Turkish baths, an elevator, its own electric light plant. It contained 150 rooms, 40 suites, and a restaurant with fine cuisine. Then, in April, so that was that was January, February, that was early, early in the year of 1896. In April ni- 1896, April 25th, a fire wiped out nearly half the city. Started in one of the many brothels, a dance hall girl named Jenny LaRue got into an argument with her lover, and while quarreling, accidentally upset the gasoline stove. It
0: really was a hot time in the old town. It was. (laughs) The
1: wooden frame buildings of the camp quickly ignited and spread from one building to the next. Buildings in the fire's path were blown up in an effort to stop the approaching flames. The fire departments of Victor Florence, Colorado Springs, and Denver dashed to the city's aid, but there was little that could be done. Four days later, half of the city lay in smoldering ruins when a second fire alarm went off. This fire began in the Portland Hotel on Myers Avenue and was believed to have been deliberately set because other fires were discovered simultaneously in other parts of the city. In the second fire, eight blocks of building were consumed. Six lives were lost and nearly 4,000 residents were left homeless. When it was all said and done, less than 10 buildings were left to mark the site of the city. The firebugs who were suspected of setting the second fire were lynched, and Cripple Creek began to rebuild. Within just a few months, modern businesses built a brick or stone rose, from, rose on the foundations of the former camp. So all of that happened, and more and more valuable ore production is happening. By 1899, gold production had reached $21 million. Cripple Creek was named the county seat there in... Um, They're in Colorado, where the, where it was. This time, there was as many streets. There's as many people on the street at 3 a.m. than at 3 p.m. The camp supported 75 saloons, 25 restaurants, four department stores, a business college, 40 stockbrokers, and 72 lawyers. Soon, however, the goal would begin to play out, and by 1920, there were only about 40 mines operating, and production had been re- reduced to four million dollars. Hmm, still sounds like a good day. Um, the 1930s saw a brief revival of mining, but this waned by 1945, with only about 20 mines operating and about one million dollars in gold produced each year. Determined not to become a ghost town, the citizens of Cripple Creek began to promote its rich history to potential tourists, and that is where we land today. By the 80s, tourism began to drop again in Cripple Creek and another and in other historic towns in Colorado. As a result, Colorado passed a law to authorize limited stakes gambling in Cripple Creek, Central City, and Black Hawk, saving these old towns from total extinction. Today, Cripple Creek offers a wide array of events and attractions for vacationing visitors, including summer celebrations, art shows, fall aspen tours, rodeos, symphony performances, and craft shows. Old mine shafts, head frames, and cabins still dot the landscape in the high country behind Pikes Peak, where driving tours and hiking hiking of the area abound. The biggest event in Cripple Creek event is the Donkey Derby Days, always held the last full weekend of June. Nearby Victor holds Gold Rush Days every year during the third week of July. It's still labeled a ghost town because it's not nearly as large as it once was, and it has obviously lost its mining status, but it remains the county seat of Teller County. It is home to almost 1,200 people. The Cripple Creek Historic District, which received National Historic Landmark status in 1961, includes part or all of the city and surrounding area. And that's it, folks. Wow,
0: that's pretty wild. I still can't get over the chicken nugget thing, but... Chicken Bill. Chicken Bill and and his his nuggets.
1: nuggets. (laughs) That could sound a little questionable.
0: Oh, my goodness. But, hey, you know... That is why we chose it, because it had a really good history. And a lot of times, places that have history like that are chock full of ghosts. Well, according to me, they're chock according full of ghosts. According to
1: you, they're chock full of ghosts.
0: According to my uh, on-staff co-host.
1: Wait, Sceptic, I get paid? What do you mean on-staff?
0: You get paid zero of dollars.
1: This is a volunteer <laughs> position.
0: You get paid when I get paid. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be looking at the hauntings of Cri- Cripple Creek, and I have to say there are some really good hauntings here at this at this site. Uh, like many of other mining towns in the Old West, Cripple Creek is said to be extremely haunted, given its rich history, complete with mining accidents, floods, fires, lawlessness and bloody battles between mine owners and labor unions. Well, there's your problem right there, labor unions. It comes as no surprise to learn of many ghosts who continue to linger in this once thriving city. In fact, there are so many tales of spirits wandering this historic town that at one time it boasted a homicide per day. Some say it was one of the most haunted cities in the United States. Well, I don't know. I'd have to really uh, be, say, I'd have to be something for it to actually outdo like New Orleans or San Antonio or Charleston, but let's, let's just see if, if uh, this place can uh, stand out. So the first place we're going to look at is the uh, Colorado Grand Casino and the uh, Farley Brothers and the uh, the Farley Brothers and Lampman building at 300 East Bennett Avenue now houses the Colorado Grand Casino and Maggie's Restaurant. Pay attention to that name. Maggie's going to come back into this oh, here. Oh,
1: Maggie.
0: Yeah. So here you may uh, not only enjoy a little gaming, some great food, but you might get a glimpse of a ghost as well. In addition to the sounds of slot machines heard throughout the building today, many have also heard the ghost of Maggie, who has reportedly been lingering around throughout the building for decades. She usually appears on the top two floors of the building, and the sounds of her high-heeled shoes are often heard echoing in the halls. She's she's described as a 25-year-old woman dressed in turn-of-the-century clothing. She wears a white shirtwaist a long cotton skirt, and high heel boots. The uh, young lady, she had her hair piled on top of her head, kind of like in the style that you see back in the Old West. If you watch like any of the old Westerns, like Bonanza and the Rifleman and all those. Um, and she is known to leave behind the scent of her rose perfume. Oh,
1: my gosh. I sound like, I sound, I feel like we're on the Hunger Games, the smell of roses. President Snow. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Some have reported that singing and dancing is sometimes heard emanating from the old ballroom, as well as the sounds of Maggie's lilting soprano voice heard singing an Irish-accented concertina. At the casino, security guards have often reported seeing Maggie along with a gentleman friend playing the slot machines after hours. She's been caught on tape by the security cameras, and however... After being viewed and stowed away, the tapes have mysteriously vanished. Go ahead, dear. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. it. hmm Sounds a little what? Suspicious. I know,
1: it's I know. It's sus. That's what the young it's, folks are saying these days. That's it's what sus. the young
0: folks are saying is it's sus? It's sus. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you know, she don't want to be shown doing some illicit gambling after hours. I mean, you know, it, I could see how she could go in there and steal the tapes.
1: Sure.
0: (laughs) Our next location is the Hotel St. Nicholas. And it's perched perched atop a hill overlooking Cripple Creek. Is that like Santa? St. Nicholas? St. Nicholas? I don't know. I guess we'll have to go up to the North Pole and ask if he has a, a hotel named after him in Cripple Creek. But it is perched atop a hill overlooking Cripple Creek. And... It was originally built as a hospital for the many people flooding into the region in the late 19th century. The Sisters of Mercy opened the St. Nicholas Hospital in 1898. Over the years, the hospital served many prospectors and families of the area and expanded to include a ward for the mentally ill. However, when Cripple Creek's mining played out, the hospital closed its doors and the last for the last time in the mid-1970s. For the next couple of decades, the building sat empty until a series of unsuccessful business attempts were made by various owners. But today, Hotel St. Nicholas, it had, with its panoramic view of Cripple Creek, contains 15 guest rooms, all pleasantly appointed with antiques, fine linens, and the unsurpassed elegance of yesteryear. And it's also been added to the National Register of Historic Places. So it's nice that that building will always be protected from anybody going in and just wanting to tear it down.
1: Um, I don't, if I was going to a hotel, I don't think I'd want to be with all the old stuff. Give me a nice shwanky hotel.
0: Well, you are a rather big fan of the Hampton Inn, dear.
1: The Hampton's not shwanky. <laughs> Good Lord, Jandis. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's better than the Motel 3 or whatever, you know.
1: The Motel 3. Anyway, we digress.
0: Okay, so the Hotel St. Nicholas, after Santa Claus, I suppose, is said to be haunted by a number of spirits, including nuns, children, and former patients of the mental ward. It's always the mental ward. The most often seen ghostly residence is one referred to as stinky. Yes, I have... Always wanted to hear about a ghost named Stinky.
1: Our dog is Stinky.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I guess so. (laughs) Lurking at the back staircase of the old hospital, Stinky makes his presence known with a sewage-like smell. The
1: apparition.
0: Yeah. Uh, The apparition of an old miner with no upper body is also sometimes seen. Another ghost is that of a little boy affectionately. Affectionately known as Petey, and he's been seen throughout the hotel, but most often he is held responsible for stealing cigarettes and moving items about the tavern. Because back in those old days, they didn't have any rules about, you know, kids smoking. So I guess he's grand ghosted in. <laughs> grand
1: ghosted. <laughs> oh my.
0: Uh yeah I know I am in a I am definitely in a uh, way tonight ain't I
1: Yes yes you are
0: Now we're going to another casino Buffalo Billy's Casino
1: Oh for Pete's sake
0: Yeah I know I know
1: With a name like that
0: <laughs> It has to be cheesy mm-hmm. No I you know I mean hey it's it's a casino it's a place. Long before Buffalo Billies became the casino that it is today, it was known as the Turf Club. Still, visitors can see at the top of this historic building the carved letters spelling out Turf Club Room, uh, 1896. During Cripple Creek's mining days, several exclusive men's clubs, including the turf, lined the streets of the burgeoning city. It was during this time for reasons unknown that the six-year-old spirit of a young girl took up residence in the building and has remained there ever since. Now, this little girl, she's been known as Lily. Then she's a very friendly little girl and has sometimes been seen sitting on the stairs cradling a rag doll in her arm. Looking incredibly real, an employee once asked her if she was lost, to which Lily replied, no, I'm not lost. I live here. Oh. Yeah. When the employee left to get a security guard, the pair returned only to find the little girl gone. On other occasions, uh, there were some tourists playing the slot machines, and she had lost track of her daughter. And when she began to uh, search, she found that she was perched on the staircase. Asking her daughter what she was doing, the young girl replied that she was playing with Lily. Hmm. Lily is also said to like balloons, but only certain colors. For example, if a blue balloon is brought in and left for her, it will pop. But however, if a purple balloon is left, it will begin to wander around the building on its own. However, others have often seen Lily peering from the upstairs window down to the street below. Lily sounds like a friendly little ghost.
1: Friendly lives like Casper.
0: Like Casper. Now, moving on to the Imperial Hotel. Following the disastrous fire that raised the city in 1896, the Imperial Hotel was built to accommodate the many miners and visitors of the area. It was originally opened as the Collins Hotel, luring guests in with the modern amenities such as electric lights and steam heat. In the early part of the 20th century, the hotel was run By an Englishman by the name of George Long. And he immigrated from Europe as a young man and he made his way to Denver, where he married his first cousin.
1: Ew. Cooties,
0: I know. Uh, before long, the couple was running the hotel focusing on service, comfort, and fine dining. The couple began to have children, and they had two daughters and a son. And uh, their oldest daughter, Alice, suffered from a severe mental disorder. It's probably that part where they were kissing cousins, I guess. You lord. Have mercy. As the girl grew older, she became more and more difficult to control until her parents were finally forced to keep her locked in their apartment next to the lobby. Sometime later, when George was going down the narrow stairs to the basement. He fell to his death. Though it very well could have been an accident, rumors began to abound that Alice had killed her father when he approached the top of the stairs, striking him in the head with a cast iron skillet. In 1948, the hotel introduced the Gold Bar Theater and the Imperial players who entertained guests for nearly five decades, hosting the longest running melodrama theater in the nation. Well, that's an interesting little tidbit, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. In 1992, the hotel added limited-stakes gaming to its list of attractions and began operating as the Imperial Casino Hotel. The historic hotel is said to be haunted today by its former owner, George Long, who allegedly likes to flirt with the ladies and play the slot machines. Several nighttime security guards tell stories of how the ding-ding-ding of the slot machines and the coins hitting the hopper are heard late at night after the casino has closed. However, when they check the casino floor, no one is there. And later, when the machines are checked for malfunctions, none are found. Guests, especially women, have often felt something or someone touching them during the night. And another tale alleges that a chambermaid reportedly had her bottom pinched by an unseen hand.
1: Oh, for Pete's sake.
0: (laughs) I guess he's a little friendly with the ladies. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Evidently, the crazed Alice also leaves her imprint on the historic hotel. If the staff leaves the door to the Red Rooster Bar closed, they hear the sounds of scratching on the other side of the door. That's pretty wild. So our next location is the Palace Hotel slash Womax Casino.
1: I'm seeing a uh, theme here.
0: Yeah, I definitely think. Well, there was as you you know as you read in your history, there was a lot of hotels that popped up because everybody and their brother were coming to mine gold. I mean, that is a lot of hotels for such a small thing. Kind of makes you think of Pigeon Forge, mm. <laughs> in Gatlinburg, Cripple Creek's Palace Hotel first began as the Palace Drugstore. However, in 1892, the building was transformed into a hotel. With the influx of many miners to the region, the hotel was also featured uh, one of Cripple Creek's original gambling dens. As one of only two hotels during Cripple Creek's early days, the place was so crowded at times, they even rented chairs to sleep in for a dollar per night. Alas, the building did not survive the 1896 fire that destroyed the entire town. However, the building was rebuilt and opened to guests once again. By the turn of the century, the hotel was owned by Dr. Chambers and his wife, Kitty. Taking care of his patients, the hotel was run by his wife, affectionately known as <laughs> Miss Kitty. Isn't that like a, like a very common name back in the old west? They all named
1: Miss Kitty.
0: <clears throat> you know, let's see, oh, wouldn't well. that the uh, Miss Kitty, wouldn't that like the the lady that was in uh, Toby Keith's song, I Should Have Been a Cowboy?
1: Yeah, Miss Kitty. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you ever running away? Yep. Yep. So, yes, we there was a real-life Miss Kitty that probably some of these Westerns was based off of.
1: There's apparently several Miss Kitties.
0: <clears throat> yep. Priding herself on service, she offered a number of amenities to her guests, including placing lighted candles throughout the hotel and turning down the beds at night. When Miss Kitty died in 1908 in room number three of the hotel, she evidently wasn't ready to leave, as stories have it that she continues to reside there. Over the years, guests have told stories how she continued to provide great service by making sure the candles were lit and sometimes turning down the beds. Others have reported seeing a vision of Miss Kitty dressed in an old-fashioned white nightgown with her long hair down over her shoulders. Yet other people have reported seeing the same figure in the window of room number three. As some suggest, other spirits continue to roam the old hotel, including a short fat man, a tall woman, and a blind piano player. So, can they verify that the ghost was blind, or is it...
1: And That seems a little, a little squirrely there.
0: Well, I mean, I guess they had a picture of the blind piano player when he was alive and they found and the ghost they probably thought looked like him. Who knows?
1: Hey, that's it.
0: Reports also include feelings of being watched, people who feel a gentle nudge as they walk up and down the stairs, crashing noises and footsteps in the halls when no one is there, and strange anomalies appearing in photographs.
1: I don't like all those crashing sounds.
0: You don't like anything that's ghostly, dear. Shut up. The Victor Hotel. The first Victor Hotel was okay, built.
1: Before you talk about the Victor Hotel, do you know what I'm thinking of with the word Victor? Come on, come on, come on. I mean, it's the Hunger Games. Victor, Victor. Remember oh. on Star Trek, Star the new Star Trek? Trek. When- Victor, Victor. <laughs> no, Victor, Victor. Yeah, yeah, sorry.
0: Check off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Whenever I hear oh, the name that Victor, is, that's what that I think right about. There,
0: that is the ultimate shiny object right there.
1: Shut up. It's true, though. Hey, but this is a—I ner- <laughs> mean, this uh, this is us. This is who we is.
0: Oh, I know, but it was just like, ooh, shiny object.
1: No, but it's just it's like Victor, that— Victor, Victor. When you say Victor, that's what I think of. V- Victor, Victor. Because he says his V's is a W, so it's Victor, yeah. Victor. Anyway, she and I love Star Trek.
0: loves the Star Trek remakes. They I Chris love— Pine and— all those in it, which they are really it's good.
1: It's really good. I wasn't a huge fan of the original series, but the new ones are fantastic.
0: I still think Captain Picard's the best captain.
1: Anyway, moving on to Victor. Victor, <laughs> <Weaker>, Victor. <weaker. laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to get fired.
0: No, you're not going to get fired. I think uh, I might have to give you a pay raise. I don't think you, you can get
1: tonight. fired for a job you don't make money at. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs>
0: I might go from zero to zero. How does that sound for a paper? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> the first Victor Hotel was built in early 1894 by the Woods Brothers just in time to accommodate travelers arriving on the newly completed Florence and Cripple Creek Railroad. However, when a devastating fire, as per most of these buildings, swept through uh, Victor in August of 1896, the wooden building succumbed to the flames that spread quickly and destroyed the entire town in just five hours. The building was reconstructed to stand the test of time with brick and stone, and then they also built it larger than the prior building. One distinctive feature of the hotel was its elevator, which came in handy for yet another function that the building took on. During the winters, when the ground was frozen between October and June, it was impossible to dig graves for those that died in the uh, quickly growing city. As an alternative, the bodies were taken up the elevator and stored on the fourth floor of the building until the ground thawed enough to bury them. Oh, that's just not uh, gonna create a haunted location if I ever Hmm. saw one. That's true. It is apparently many of these long dead Victor residents that haunt the historic hotel today. Though seemingly harmless, several people have witnessed the sight of disembodied apparitions on the fourth floor. Reports include what look like both doctors and patients, sometimes without arms, legs, and even heads, moving about this place and that once acted as a holding cell for the dead. There are other haunted areas in the hotel, including the basement, the elevator, the third floor, and the kitchen. So pretty much the whole kit and caboodle.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Throughout the hotel, guests often tell of seeing misty forms And hearing footsteps, sometimes accompanied by the sudden rush of cold air In the kitchen, employees tell of utensils that are suddenly thrown about the room A little bit of poltergeist activity there But the most prevalent ghost is that of a man named Eddie Who allegedly fell down the elevator shaft years ago Staying in room 301 at the time of his death, Eddie has often been seen in the room, in the hallways, and in the elevator. Guests who stay in room 301 also report hearing footsteps and other strange sounds that cannot be explained. Though the elevator is regularly inspected and maintained, it often tends to activate itself going up and down the shaft when no one is near it. Always stopping on the third floor, the elevator's ghostly activity usually occurs around 3 a.m. Ah, the good old witching hour.
1: Mm, Nothing good happens after midnight.
0: Mm. Well, 3 a.m. seems to be the, uh, the hot spot for ghostly activity. All right, so, folks, that is Cripple Creek. And I have to say, for a small town... There is a lot of ghostly activity there. So, yeah, guys, that is this week's episode. I hope y'all enjoy it. And, you know, we definitely uh, got in some good uh, coffee time today. Oh, yeah. If uh, you um, like the show, go out on um, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and a rating. And tell us how much you like the show because that helps us out in the algorithms that make it easier for us to be found when people are searching for podcasts to listen to. If you'd like to support the show, you can uh, support us by going out to Patreon and uh, looking for Boo My Dad Says. You can become a uh, monthly Patreon there, or you can also just do a one-time donation through buymeacoffee.com slash boo, my dad says. But now let me tell you, there's go- there is gonna is definitely some really good extra bonus stuff that I do throw in on the Patreon mm-hmm. site. I'm going to be adding an extra episode here in a few days that deals with uh, movies that many people believe are cursed, so come out and check that one out. And I'm also still working on getting the video um, prepared from the uh, Chester Inn ghost hunt. I ended up with about three and a half hours of footage over the two nights, and I'm trying to pare it down a little bit because little thing that you may all may not know about how ghost hunting works is a lot of time, it's a lot of waiting around, and sometimes you get absolutely bupkis. So I'm going to try to take some of the bupkis out and, you know, get the more interesting details, and I still think I'm going to end up with probably a two-hour video. Well, dear, you got anything you want to say before we go?
1: I got nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Week through week through.
0: Week through week through. Well, yeah, you kind of you talked about all the. I coffee talked and about the coffee
1: so. and Star Trek already. I'm good. Yeah.
0: Well, folks, I hope you all have a great week. Uh, good night and God bless, my friends.